Shalom Aleichem. Good Shabbos. Everybody, welcome to the podcast, and let's get self-improved. Without further ado, Undercover Billionaire and his crazy story I got for you. Let's go. Okay, listen to this. <coughs> excuse me, excuse me. I, I listened to a TED Talk, and there was this Bulgarian woman. Moved to New York, right? She was up on the Empire State Building doing what all tourists do. Loved the views. There were tall buildings everywhere. But she noticed there were some buildings literally as tall, if not taller, than the Empire State Building. And and these buildings, they weren't old-fashioned like the Empire State Building. They were modern apartment buildings. So she set out on a mission to go and get to the top of those buildings just to look out and see the city from a different view. Again, I don't know why this was such a fascination. But what it led her to is very fascinating. Now, you can't just walk into these huge apartments and say, I want to go to the top floor. People live there or their offices. So, of course, like any normal person would do, she pretended to be a billionaire. Billionaire buying an an apartment. And because we're talking about these penthouses being 40, 50 million dollars. So, indeed, this Bulgarian woman put on an entire facade and pretended to be a billionaire. She went over the top to every little detail to ensure they'd believe her. So, for example, private cooks she'd talk about, private shows, etc., the clothes, all the designer shit she'd have. And it's funny because this is what made the TED Talk interesting. I was wondering where the TED Talk was going, and this is what she discovered. It took a turn. It wasn't just about her looking for views anymore of the city. This is what she discovered, is that billionaires all over the world that were hit hard in the 08 real estate crash in the US. They were scared of another big one happening. So what'd they do? They would buy these $85 million properties or apartments, never live in them. It was just literally a way to park their money and keep the asset safe, appreciating four, 5% a year. Which that sounds horrible. Why would you want your shit to appreciate four to 5% a year? That's like, that's a terrible return. You want 8% if you can. Well, these people don't care. When they have billions of dollars, they just want to preserve it. It comes to a point, how do I not lose my money? Really, that's what it comes down to when you got so much um, wealth, I guess. I was going to say equity, but more wealth. And anyways, so it's a safe asset to park your money in this New York City luxurious real estate. That's what people are parking their money in. Because she noticed that like 75% of these apartments are empty. That's insane. A lot of billionaires, they'll just buy an entire apartment building, is what she was saying. They won't even buy just a room. They will literally buy the whole building. And uh, we're talking billions of dollars for these buildings. Maybe. I actually have to fact check that. But we're talking, if it's $85 million for a penthouse and the others could be $40 million, come on. Like, it doesn't take long to get to a billion dollars for their entire apartment. So that's a safe appreciating asset. And I thought that was very interesting. And that's what that TED Talk was about, people. That she went from just ex- exploring to learning this deep, deep, deep secret. Okay, anyways, I'm moving on to, to what I call random thoughts. This should be a new segment of the show. Random thoughts. If you could keep all your ideas and thoughts and epiphanies, would you? A lot of people would be like, yeah, I'd love to keep all those thoughts. I don't want to forget cool things I think about. Well, then start with the cloud or a memo pad. Do it. Do what I do. Write it all down. Write it all down. It's so cool because the cloud's forever, in my opinion, unless unless the internet 
shuts down. So do it, do it. And then your great grandkids can see what you've done. Or you can write a book when you're older. I'm telling you, just do it, people. And then talk about it, blog about it, create, give value to the world. People will find it valuable what you have learned and what you have thought about. Okay, the next thing I was thinking about once I had a realization. I had a realization that I feared people not being enlightened or present or at peace. That was a fear of mine. And that fear of not being that way projected into judgment, insecurity, or numbing when people acted that way, which is not being enlightened or, or at peace. Like I felt this when uh, at the day school I teach at for gym and everything, kids were fighting over nothing, you know? Um, like my clients, they would also project and whatever, the kids mainly would fight over nothing. Now I understand, I understand projection is inevitable, it's impossible to avoid. Awareness is key. We are here by ourselves. Peace is only brought on by ourselves. We can never share that or truly explain it to people or else you start to lose that presence or you start to lose that awareness or in, unless it becomes awarenessception, like a paradox that you're aware of you explaining it to somebody. But then I'm telling you, it's to truly understand someone else's peace, you can't. It's the signpost analogy. I don't know if you recall that signpost analogy. There's the park and there's the sign that says park. The park is just the park. You cannot bring it around to show people. You have to be there in it. Say, ah, this is the park right here, right now where I am. And you can't, and you have to bring, and then someone else comes in and, and they have their own experience and says, ah, this is the park for me. This is my experience of the park. You can't be like, hey, come in my experience. No, it doesn't work like that. And so then you start to tell people, oh, the park is this, that, this. They're just signposts. We're just giving people signs, not actually the real thing. So when we extrapolate that analogy, peace is only brought on by ourselves. We can't truly explain it to people when you're at peace. And the reason I bring this up is going back to that fear of mine. Like I, I caught myself sometimes judging when I, when I, I thought someone wasn't at peace. And like, for all I know, they are aware of that vessel doing what they're doing and, and they're present, but they can't share it with me. And maybe I'm the shlemiel. So, so I can't expect to teach people or like tell people, Hey, this is how you get peace. This is just, it's no different than me saying like, Hey, this is my experience of the park. Now you've experienced the park. No, they have to experience the park themselves to truly know what it is. Oh, by the way, I now remember why I said my clients do too. My clients also fought over nothing. It's because I have a couple siblings that come in. <coughs> Sorry, I don't know what's in my throat. And we and they were fighting over nothing as well, projecting completely and like dissing each other. And it reminded me of times when I was growing up that I mean I would numb and, and whatever because it, it reminded me of my, my siblings in my household when people would fight for no reason over stupid stuff. And we all do this, but like everyone has their own coping mechanisms. I'm not saying I was traumatized by just bickering in my house. Like everyone does that. I'm saying that I realized the way I cope might not be the healthiest. And so with even my clients, I felt I would numb. I would just, I wouldn't really do anything about it. And I'd walk away or distract myself with other things and ignore it. And that's exactly how I act as a kid or a teen in my household. So like goosebumps, it's crazy what unconsciously comes out when we cope. And I'm, I'm, I am glad I'm aware of it. But just take that in. Like our body... We don't control goosebumps. It's just an automatic unconscious reaction to our environment through stimulus. We get stimulus that is cold and our body creates goosebumps thinking we're animals still. And no different than like as an adult, we forget we're not a child. Like our brain still, it's, it's not, okay, it's not like you stop being seven years old. I'm 25. I am all, I am one years old. I'm 
13 years old, I'm 22 years old, and I'm 25 years old. Like, when you turn 25, you don't immediately stop being 24, 23, 22, all the way down to one years old. You are every little bit of yourself. So, when I was a kid, I was nine years old. When I was a teenager, I was 13 years old. That is still in me. I am still that nine-year-old. I'm still the 13-year-old. And I'm this 25-year-old with the maturity of a 25-year-old. I'm everything. You don't lose that stuff. So the reason I say that, and I really want you to understand that, is because like goosebumps, we are still an animal. We have not lost that animal tendency. Let's extrapolate. I am still a kid and a teenager. I just also just so happen to be part adult. And so things that I coped with as a kid are still going to pop up as an adult. That is what I'm trying to say. And that's why I still numb to this day or walk away or ignore conflict. And it happens even with my clients, like, because I, I get that trigger from when I was growing up. And yeah, anyways, I'm aware of that. And maybe that, that'll help me uh, stop the unhealthy coping. All right, gang, there's a TED talk on behavior change. And there's one little quick thing I got out of this. Changing behavior for a year may not change you. Changing your identity, it's the surefire way. This is what he says. When a goal is up high and an identity matches that high level, now you're cooking with gas, meaning you are in sync. When they aren't at the same level, that's when you start to have internal conflict and friction. I'll say this part again. It's very important. When you have a goal and it's up high at a certain level, picture that. Identity has to match it. And if your identity matches that level, you are going to get it. That It's, it's just a matter of time. However, if you have that high goal, it doesn't match. Boom. Done. Friction. Conflict. Simple as that. Okay, here's another quick thought on the school of hard knocks. And I talked about this in the podcast a long time ago. Even my, my two <laughs> consistent listeners, you might have forgotten about this. Because remember I talked about losing shampoo. It was like a $2 tuition to the school of hard knocks. Well, I had this again. I missed a client session. And I did this because I slept over at the facility. Ugh, I don't know what I was thinking. It was like I had had such a long day. And I was here so late. And I'm like, yeah, I just got to, I can't go back home. It's, I would get like three hours sleep. I just pass out now. So I decided to use my computer as an alarm. Do not trust Google alarms or alarms on websites. <clears throat> so pretty much without hyping this story up, I lost the session. And I, in essence, paid $90 because it was, I had to give them a free session after too. I paid $90 more. It'd be 180 actually to the school of hard knocks. That was $180 of tuition to the school of hard knocks saying, Zev, even if you get a little sleep, less, less sleep, just go home. Don't risk it or bring your charger. Something like that. Simple as that. Cause my phone died. I had to use a charger on the computer. Moral of the story. <clears throat> anytime you lose money or time because of something, it is a lesson, not a failure, a lesson. Okay. It's to the school of hard knocks. You've just paid tuition is an investment and you've learned and that is great because now you're a wiser person you won't make the mistake again and you'll be bulletproof you'll be an amazing human being okay with that being said people this is gonna be a shorter quicker podcast i hope you enjoyed it this week because next week whoo i cannot wait <clears throat> i'm gonna reflect on this deep meditation that i'm gonna go word for word with this meditation and oh i hope i hope you guys enjoy it i want you to try it because so many people ball their eyes out doing it. When I did it, it was really emotional and loving. Like, we say we feel love, but I'm telling you, like, it's again one of those things that we just are expressing this intangible experience with symbols on a piece of paper. 
like the alphabet is literally just lines that have been put together to create little symbols and we we think that is adequate to expressing such deep emotions that are not tangible and we that we can't even see it's more so this sense of loving i can't wait for you to experience this meditation because that is truly what it's about is that feeling of love that and when i say love like you think of your experiences in lack of experiences in love just like me i'm expressing projecting my experience of love and lack of it and so like we can't even truly understand each other and that's why just tune in and go through this with me and you'll feel something (laughs) it's beautiful folks thanks so much for listening good shabbos shabbat shalom enjoy the weekend friday's here get to kick back and relax for all my goyim please spread the love and enjoy your weekend as well take care love you all bye